really grateful for, uh, I just got to say it, I am grateful for all the people that serve to make Sunday morning happen. Um, you know, we got people doing video stuff, audio stuff. Wow, they, they get here early. The, the worship team, I think, gets here like 7.30 in the morning every Sunday. While many of us, you know, getting ready, doing whatever. They, I mean, they're committed, right? Children's ministry, people are teaching the classes. They're going over their lesson. They're trying to pray, trying to teach our kids. Uh, they get, you know, I, I appreciate the people helping parking. Uh, Joe with security. I mean, there's a lot. It takes a lot, you know, to get things going. So I appreciate Michael's communion, you know, here to serve. And there are many people here to serve, you know, on, on Sunday mornings. And we need more, more of us need to be serving, right? So, you know, 20% of the people shouldn't be doing 80% of the work, right? And so hopefully we can grow, we can grow in that. But uh, I'm very grateful to be part of this great fellowship. And I'm grateful to open up the Word of God this morning. So uh, let, let's, let's jump in into the book of James. Uh, we are kind of concluding our, our study of, the, of James this Sunday. But there's an overarching theme that we've been talking about uh, starting with the book of Jonah. And it's really about living compassionately and generously in this world uh, because really that's God's heart. And uh, if you're visiting with us, that, that, that's what we have been focusing on these last uh, month or so. And Jonah was great. I think it, uh, oftentimes we think of it as a kid's story, oh, the big fish, and oh, you run from God, but you can't run from God. And that's some of it, but just really to see how God's heart was to help every person know him. <laughs> and even nations that were evil and, and, and really doing things against God's people, God still loved the Ninevites. He wanted them to know him. And uh, that's the, the compassion of God that uh, he, he wants people to, to be right with him and have great lives. And he sent Jonah to go help them out. But we realized Jonah had some issues in his heart. And uh, sometimes, it's, sometimes we can know what God wants for our lives, but it's hard for us to actually live it out. And uh, we, we saw that with Jonah. He, he struggled to show the type of compassion that God has in his own life. And so hopefully as we, as we study Jonah, we can wrestle with that ourselves and hopefully come out more like God. You know, we need to be willing to give ourselves away to whomever God wants us to give ourselves away to. And uh, Jonah was very helpful for me just studying that out. And I've been grateful to look at James, the book of James. That is a, James is very straightforward. It is a very direct message uh, because we need that, right? Don't you need to be kind of spurred on sometimes? Uh, amen, we need, sometimes we're just down, hurting, we're discouraged, we're sad, and it's good to have that friend that will just sit next to us and we can cry, we can do whatever, and it's all right, it's going to be all right. We need that, man. We, we can't live without it. Uh, so there's a time and place for that. And, th and then there's a time and place to just shoot straight down the middle, right? And uh, James, that's what, that's what he's good at. And uh, it's been great to, to look at the book of James with that concept of how can I live more compassionately and generously in this world? And James hits it, he just hits it head on. Uh, appreciate his heart. Hey, it's great, to, it's great to listen to the word, but don't just listen to it. You better do what you read, right? Because if you don't, you're going to deceive yourself. Whew, that's straightforward. You talk about faith, that's great. You can have faith in God, awesome, well done. But guess what? The demons believe the same thing. But they don't submit themselves to God. 
So you, you know, you better not just say, I believe in, the, in this one God. You better be willing to serve that one God and submit yourself to that one God. And not just talk about faith, but you better have the deeds to back it up. Woo! James is straight down the middle right there. He said, man, you better watch out. We got to keep ourselves from being polluted by this world. You remember that message from James? We live in this, this crazy crockpot of the world, right? Just the, just the seasonings of pride and self-reliance, autonomy from God. You don't need anybody else. We're just in that crockpot of, of money and go after it. And we're just slow simmering in this world. And we got to be careful we don't let it pollute us, right? And let it get into our thinking and our mindset. And James is good. Don't let yourself get polluted and corrupted by this world. Don't show favorites. Don't just play favorites with people because they have more money or they have better social standing. And don't do that. And then last week, Doug preached from James 4. Was that helpful to you? Woo! That was good stuff, wasn't it? I, I, I felt some, you know, communal squirming last week. <laughs> some moments in the message, right? But he was just opening up the Word of God. James 4. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Man, thank you, James, for making it clear for us. Be careful that you don't fraternize so much with the world you live in. Guess what? God wants a relationship with you akin to marriage. It's serious. It's a commitment. It's based on loyalty, exclusivity. So you better watch out in your dealings in this world because it's alluring. You can get enamored with this world and cause you to be adulterous in your relationship with God. And that's, that's God's word to us, not just to the original recipients of uh, the letter that James wrote. Instead of, instead of being worldly and wanting everything in this world, he went back to it again. James said, submit to God. Resist the devil, submit to God. You know, come near to God, he'll come near to you. You know, wash your hands, purify your hearts. You know, some of y'all sitting around glib, laughing. You, some of y'all need to change your attitude and get real serious. You might need to change all that laughter to some mourning and some weeping about the status of your relationship with God. You might need to weep and wail and get yourself on track again so that you can humble yourself. So God can lift you up. Be careful in this world. We're not playing games. And I appreciate, appreciate James just being so direct with us because we need that. And uh, so prayerfully, we can have a mindset to be ready to hear what James has to say to us this morning. And uh, I'll be starting in James chapter 4. And I'm going to read the first two words of the part that I want to read. And then we're going to say a prayer together. But these two words are important. In James chapter 4, Beginning in verse 13, my translation says, now listen. Let me tell you what, if this dude has been writing some hardcore stuff up to this point, <laughs> and then he says, now y'all need to listen, whew, what's coming next might be important, right? As everything he's writing is important, but there's a, why would he stop? Now listen. So hopefully, are you ready to listen, right? Hopefully we're all ready to listen this morning, because uh, this letter wasn't just written to a group of people a couple thousand years ago only for them. It might have been written to them, but it's for us as well. Amen? So let's go to God in prayer.
Father, we do want to listen. We want to have hearts that are humble. Just like earlier, Michael reminded us of Philippians chapter 2 and the mindset, the attitude of Jesus to be humble. And I pray that we have a heart to, to listen to this letter that people just like us once heard read in a very humble setting. And Father, I pray that we are not enamored by what we see in this world. I pray that our relationship with you is our top priority. Father, help us to be loyal to you, to respond to the loyalty that you've already shown us. Father, help us as we gather this morning, help us not to spectate and to desire to be entertained. Father, help us to desire to be transformed. Father, help the words that aren't just words on a page. They are our life. Father, help, help us to be so humble and contrite that at the speaking of your word, we can be willing to change the very direction of our thinking and the way we live. Help that to characterize this morning. Father, help me to get out of the way. It's all about you. It's all about your spirit. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what your will is in this world and not our own. So God, help us to adopt that mindset. Help us not to have a spirit of defensiveness, a spirit of, of uh, just that we don't need to hear messages like this. And Father, help us to desire to live more like Jesus in this world. And whatever you want to give us today, Father, help us to take it and put it into practice. And I pray this prayer in the name and in the power of your son, Jesus. Amen. Now listen. You who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. I mean, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Let's stop right there. Are you still listening? That is a very poignant and helpful reminder. Today or tomorrow, we're going to go here, we're going to go there, we're going to spend a year, we're going to make money, we're going to carry on business. Now don't start checking out on me, because some of you are. I know, I know how you think. Because some of you are saying, okay, here's the part where he just starts yelling at us if we make a lot of money. Right? That's, that's some of the temptation that some of you have. I know, I know, it's all right, it's okay. But that's not, I don't think that's the spirit of what James is getting at. So let's just, you can breathe easy. I'm not going to yell at you if you make money and if you carry on business. There's nothing inherently wrong with making money and carrying on business. If you didn't make money or carry on business, we'd have some challenges, right? You, you wouldn't be able to do just basic necessities of life. So it's okay. Making money and carrying on business is not inherently wrong, and that's not the spirit of what James is getting at. The challenge is when you make it your desire to carry on business and make money, some of us don't realize how that can suck us into a certain 
mode of thinking. And what it can do is when you make money and carry on business effectively in this life, in this world, in our society, what can happen is you can start to elevate above others. You have more money, you're able to afford more things, you have more security. And oftentimes you have a lot of people that will tell you how awesome you are and look up to you and how great you're doing and keep getting promoted. And then you often get more money and the ability to do even more. And guess what happens? You get to start thinking, I can do what I want to do, where I want to do it, when I want to do it, and for how long I want to do it. Because I'm good at making money and carrying on business. This is great. I'm doing great in this life. I'm winning. I'm winning in this life. And it feels good. And what can happen is all of our decision making can be devoid of God. It's just about, hey, I know I'm good at this making money thing, carrying on business. I'm going to go here and do it. I'm going to go there. And James is trying to say, you better watch out. That mode of thinking is not good. You have left God out of your equation. It's a worldly mindset. It's self-confident and it makes you rely on wealth for security. And that's not what James wants us to do. We have got to understand that we live in a world where carrying on business and making money can become your number one priority without you even realizing it. And that is what we have to learn to combat against. You can live like this and all of a sudden you begin to forget who you really are. In fact, when you see the original language, James even says, now you who say, and the original language that you who say is kind of like an, it's, it's not a term of endearment. But if you do your own Bible study in the book of James, notice how many times he'll say, now brothers, now brothers or sisters. He says that over and over again, now my brothers. But here, it's you guys who say, and what, what, they're, what he's really getting at is, you've forgotten who you are. <laughs> you're not acting like a brother. You're not having the mindset of a Christian person when you have this type of attitude. It kind of reminds me, remember when Jesus and Peter, you know, he, he called Peter, he gave him a nickname. His original name was what? Simon, right? But then Jesus said, oh, you're, you're Peter. I'm going to call you a rock, right? And throughout the Gospels, he calls him Peter, Peter, Peter. But there are moments when he calls him Simon. <laughs> and it seems like they're strategic moments. You're not acting like the rock right now. You're kind of more like your old self. You're a Simon right now in this moment. And I think this is kind of what James is getting at. All throughout the letter, my brothers, my dear brothers, my brothers, my... Now it's, you know, you guys, you guys are saying stuff that you're not, you're not thinking like a brother right now. You're not thinking like a brother. You're thinking too self-reliant. It's all about you, you and what your money can do for you. And so you've heard me talking about it, but here's the deal, in the, in the spirit of even what Michael shared earlier, remember he shared about a guy he met 20 years ago who now is a preacher at a church, but he's not in the full-time ministry. He's got his own job. In the spirit of that, I wanna encourage you guys because I wanna bring up a brother. We talk pretty, pretty consistently, get together, uh, couples get together, talk about life, talk about their family group, talk about their family. And over the course of time, uh, Jason has been kind of trying to figure out some stuff in his career. 
And uh, Tom Brown had a great idea. He said, man, we should let, let him share about his decision making and not just hear it from the preacher, right? Because I'm supposed to say this type of stuff. But I want to give Jason an opportunity. There we go. We got the real microphone man right there to share a little bit about decision making in God. Yeah, I didn't. Thanks, guys. I didn't want to break this mic, so I needed help with this. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to share. <coughs> you know, one of the things in my heart that I want to say first was that, you know, looking out to all of you guys, I know there are many walks of life out there, and um, some with more experience than I have, some with less. But I don't feel like I'm the only one that can be up here right now sharing um, things about the decisions that I've had to come to, um, and that kind of tied in with, with this lesson today. So I'm really grateful to be, to be up here. Um, so let me, give, let me give you a little brief history um, of what's going on in my life this year that kind of brought me to this point. Um, it was February 23rd, I remember the exact day when started, I, re, I relocated my family up here for this job. And February 23rd, there was kind of an earthquake in my company and in my job that made me feel like, ooh, this, this could change. This is kind of an unsteady ground now. What do I do um, as a man providing for your family that, that kind of really, that personally affects me. And um, it kind of affects your security and makes me, forces me to turn back to God and say, hey, okay, what's gonna happen here? And so that started early in February. Obviously I decided, and that was a hard thing to decide to start looking for other opportunities and aggressively looking for other opportunities and using that fear to drive my ambition to go look for other opportunities. Um, and that was also hard because I felt very loyal to my company. I moved my family up here for something that I thought would be a 10 to 15 year uh, career path. Um, so it, again, it's, it's, it was challenging. Uh, so I started looking, started going, um, sending my stuff out there. It's a small world in the healthcare industry, so then you have to strategically send your stuff out there and figure out who do you trust, who carries a knife, um, and, and you know, I don't want them to go back to my company and then, then you're really out of, out of a job. Um, and so it was a long process, getting in touch with recruiters and such. Um, a lot of ups and downs. As a matter of fact, I wasn't the only one in my company starting this process. I was a very, very close friend of mine. We, we shared an office together, and uh, he started uh, a little bit after me. But I was at 5,000 RPMs, and he was at maybe 1,500. And um, working through my relationship with God at that point, I remember getting very angry where I was going to 5,000 RPMs. I think I had six or seven headhunters. I called a lot of people. And I remember him saying, yeah, you know, I'll get there, I'll get there. And he actually had two opportunities come up before me, and it was frustrating, I was angry. And one of them, what happened was, I had a friend contact me and said, hey, I think you need to talk to this, I heard you were looking, I think you need to talk to this CEO. So I talked with him, the CEO happened to look, be looking for two opportunities, one in operations, which is a lot of my background, and one in sales, which is my colleague's background. Um, and so I went to meet with him, I went through the whole, whole process, and he was asking, you know, uh, do you know anybody in sales? And I thought in my head, I was like, yeah, I, I do. Um, and I know somebody who's looking, and how cool would it be for, for my friend and I to be kind of doing this something together? It wasn't a good idea, but um, uh, it, was, it was exciting. It was like, wow, yeah. Well, it turns out that uh, he got the offer. I didn't. Um, now, he didn't take it, but I was so angry. And, I was, and, and we were close enough to have a conversation. I'm like, how could you do that? What's going on? But then me going back to God, like, how could you do that? What's going on here? Um, and this, and it's, it was back in February, and this is what? This is October, almost November now. And, um, and so 
for me, what I went through there was just a lot of ups and downs and a lot of going back to God, a lot of going back to my heart and saying, you know, where's the control, where's the security in my life, and so forth. It, it, it ended up coming down to two opportunities um, you know, uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and they were great opportunities. And it was like, finally I've arrived, I've crossed the finish line, I have a decision to make. It's all about getting the offer and then just making a decision of, okay, what do you, you know, here we go. And you're grateful to God that something came up. Um, so I had two opportunities. One of the opportunities, they were both awesome. They were incredible. One of them is here, it's a great opportunity in this community. Um, it allowed me to, to be here, to make an impact in the community, um, to be here with my family. Uh, to be more involved with the church, a lot, a lot, a lot of freedom there, um, and also came with a with a great salary that would allow me to still take care of my family and and be comfortable, but still, you know, no shaky no shaky ground there. Um, there's another great opportunity, to totally different, but again, both incredible. Um, it's a great company. I also would have an opportunity there where I can be a, uh, mentored by someone who I really, really respected and had a strong spiritual influence um, in my life. Um, it also had a base salary that was 40% higher of this other offer. Um, and then it laid out a, um, another compensation package which would triple my earning potential. Um, and then you're like, wow, okay, um, that's awesome, that's incredible. But anyone want to guess what that also came with? Travel. <laughs> yeah, travel. And the more, and it was all laid out, it was all there. It was like, okay, the more, you, you have, the sky's the limit here, Jason. And you can do it, and you can take your talent and had 15 years of experience where I, I was at a point in my career, I'm 38, where I could leverage that to catapult up to something like that. And, um, and that was a really hard thing to wrestle. Actually, I went back to God because my prayer to God was, God, make it completely clear. If, if you don't want me to take something, just, I only want one. I just, just give me this one, or whatever it is. I didn't want two, it makes it harder. Um, then you're like, well, what, what do you want me to do here? And, uh, and so I, that was my conversation with God. I was like, why? This was my prayer. You didn't answer my prayer. Um, and literally, I'm just telling you guys what was in my heart. Um, and so it came with travel. And that was a point in my, my life where I just had to make some decisions again. What do I want to do in my life? What about my family? What about my friends in my church? Um, my neighbors, um, my neighbors around me, uh, not in the church. Uh, what do I do? And I, I just, I, um, I just was praying a lot. Um, and I came to this, came to this point where I was like, okay, I think, you know, this is worth sacrificing financial gain so I can do things. I mean, this, for me, where I'm at in my life, I have a 10-year-old, I have a 7-year-old, and I have a 3-year-old. And one of my children has some, some special needs. Um, and my wife and I, we counted the cost on this. Like, well, if I went this path, my wife is totally supportive. Um, and so I was like, darn it, I wanted you to say no. <laughs> I was like, no, this isn't going to work. Um, but, you know, I'm involved in my son's uh, Cub Scout pack. I lead, I lead his little den, and my, my other son is three, and he's already coming, and he wants to get involved. And, and uh, I'm trying to make an impact in my children's life, spiritually, and being involved with them, have to do something for them that I didn't have growing up. Okay? Um, and, um, and just also be around for my friends, um, my neighbors, and, and people in my church. And this, this is what's going on in my head and trying to make through this decision. Also, what's you know, a deep conviction of mine is I want to be able to make a spiritual impact for my kids. And I want, I, want, I want to pour out my life like that offering. 
when, so when they're adults, I know I could say that I gave it 150% for you to get to know God. Um, and then it's your choice. As an adult, it's going to be hard, but I'm going to let go of control. I really like control. Um, but I want to be able to look back and have no regrets. And it's not possible, but as best as I can, right? Just say, you know what, I'll give, it, I'll give it my best shot. So that was my thing. I felt like my children were my ministry. I wanted to be around. I didn't want to, and, and sacrifice that, that financial gain um, and be able to give it away. You can figure out that I ended up having to call that person who I really respect and, and turn down that other great opportunity. I don't feel like I lost anything. I feel like I had, they were both were great opportunities, two different paths, really. Um, but if you walk away with anything from after what I share today, I, one thing I, what I did is not the gold standard. I don't want you guys to feel that way, that, okay, this is how I need to run my life now. What I decided in my family, my certain variables in my life, that was what I decided. But what I base it on is if just walking away, what can help you? If there's people in here that you're going through the same thing, what helped me is, you know, God talks about it everywhere in the Bible. So if you seek him, um, go, after, go after him. I mean, there's a, the, the very first song, I mean, it hit me this morning when it said, seek him while you have the chance. You have that chance, and life is short. James says it's but a mist, and it goes. Um, you do that. Um, go after him with your decisions. Involve other people spiritually. Seek many advisors. The Bible talks about that. Seeking many advisors and going after that. God will bless it. God will bless it. I don't really know what I'm doing in my life, but I'm going to go after God. I'm going to go after other people who are wise and spiritual that can help me and make that decision. So that's what I wanted to share and just so you guys can walk away with it. Just go after God. Seek God. Make your decisions based on, based on what you think God's will is, and, and he will bless it. So thank you very much. sounding board and uh, talk through that process, but I do think it's helpful for, for you to hear from other people and not, not just me or Tom or Doug, but people that are going through the things that really we're all trying to figure out in life. Uh, how are we going to make our decisions? And I appreciate just Jason's heart and his, like he said, he's not the gold standard. He's not, we're not propping him up to make him the greatest person in the world, but I hope you appreciated just the realness. Hey, this is where I was uh, because we, do, we really believe that, you know what, we're in this together and uh, sometimes we just need to be reminded of what's most important in life. And I appreciate James, you know, you don't even know what'll happen tomorrow. What is your life? It, you know, it's a mist, it's a vapor, it's smoke. It, it appears for a little while and, and then vanishes. He, he's really trying to make them not so self-confident and to remind them of their proper place in this world which we always need. And the truth is, life is fragile, it's uncertain, and you don't know what's going to happen. We're here today and tomorrow we might not be here. Unexpected diagnosis uh, you know, of cancer, right? Uh, unexpected things happen. This life can be cut short. Jesus might come back or it might be something else. But we can't sit here and think that we're just going to be able to dictate the duration and the direction of our lives just by our own great thinking. Proverbs 27.1, don't boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Do you remember who James is? Do you know who his half-brother was? It's some guy named Jesus, amen? In case you forgot. So many scholars believe that uh, 
so much of the material from James, uh, really in the, the spirit, the heart, the themes that James uses, really came from his relationship with Jesus. And even though initially uh, Jesus' family wasn't really into his ministry, obviously over time James was converted. And, and, and so many of the teachings, especially the Sermon on the Mount, many of the teachings in the Gospels, those themes are found uh, in things that Jesus said. So I'm going to read something and I want to remind you of this because many, many believe that this kind of even spurred James to write what he just wrote. Okay, And I think many of you will be familiar with this, but this message will never ever grow old. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you. And then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all types of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, well, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night... Your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Why are you just thinking to yourself, myself, Hmm, me, self, my, stuff, I, me, I, myself. You notice there's no God in his decision making. Right? Life is a mist. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. So you better have an eternal perspective as you make the decisions in your life. Because money and wealth makes you think about this life and preservation of your life more than the next life. And that's a problem if you call yourself a Christian. You know what I'm saying? And so if you don't want to believe James, believe his brother. Amen? <laughs> Jesus knows what he's saying. Let's go back to James. So James helps us out. He doesn't just leave us out there. And in verse 15, you know, instead of, instead of saying, oh, I'm going to do this and what do I need to do and I'll do this for myself, eat, drink, be merry, I'm going to go to this town, I'm going to go there, I'm going to spend a year. I'm gonna, instead of all that, in verse 15, he says, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's what? If it's the Lord's? If it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in, in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. So we need to learn to add a key qualifier when we figure out things in our lives, right? If it is the Lord's will. But here's the deal. It's not just enough to acknowledge that life is fleeting. You can, act, you can actually be very non-religious and, and have that belief. 
Like, oh yeah, life, life is short. Anything. I mean, anybody can believe that. And so, so, don't, so don't, get, don't get caught up, all right? It's about the Lord's will. And even this word. See, in the day that James wrote, many people would say, oh, the God's. Oh, if it's the God's will. That, that many people used even words like that. Or, or, or even they might say God, but it's not the God of the Bible. They had this view of gods that were kind of the, the pantheon, many, many different gods, weird personalities, you know, flighty. But that's not what James is talking about. He's talking about the Lord, you know what I'm saying? God, Yahweh, or Jesus, whichever one you want. But that's who we need to figure out whose will is in our lives. You got to understand that the spiritual part of life, the part that we can't see with our senses, that's actually the most important part of life. What happens in the spiritual realm that we can't see actually dictates what happens in this life that we can. So we, but we won't get that perspective if we never go to the Word of God. If you don't go to God's Word consistently, persistently, with a humble heart, willing to submit, you, guess what? You're just going to wake up every morning and think, I got to make money. I got I to do that. That's the only, that's the only way I'm going to live this life. That's the only way I can be happy. I can't enjoy my life if I don't make money. I got watch out. Everything can get off. You better figure out how to say, what is God's will for my life? Well, Jeff, how do I do it? Guess what? Listen to what, J Listen to what Jason just said. It's not like God's just going to write you another letter, right? Send you a text. This is what you're supposed to do. That's not how it always works. It's a process oftentimes. Got to pray. Got to read some scripture. Got to be quiet. Try to listen for God. Got to ask him ask advice, right? Read the scriptures and try to actually live them out and see the results of your actions. That's how we can figure out what God's will is. And a lot of times in scripture, you want to learn about God's will? Read Romans chapter 12. Read 1 Thessalonians 4. Read 1 Thessalonians 5. It'll tell you some stuff you need to avoid. Because sometimes you need to avoid doing some stuff to figure out what God's will is. Do you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes you want to be steeped in a bunch of crazy sin. and you, man, I'm trying to figure out what God's will is. You might want to think about repenting of what you're involved in. And maybe, just maybe, God's will will be made more apparent in your life. Sometimes you got to stop doing stuff. Sometimes you got to start doing things. But the reality is we got to figure out what God's will is before we start trying to make decisions. If not, then I appreciate the, the Phillips translation. If not, you get a certain pride in yourself in planning your future with such confidence. That's how we can be. Be careful. The Greeks called it hubris. We don't need anybody. I got myself. I don't need God. Hello, I'm a genius. I don't know what that is. Oh, there we go. I didn't even see that up there. There we go. See, we have creativity just all over the place, right? <laughs> but you got to understand the world wants to mold you, press you, so that you look just like everybody else. Take away your distinctiveness. What makes us distinct oftentimes is that when we go through life, we actually help people see, I'm trying to figure out what God's will is for my life. How many people in your circle of friends have said that to you? I'd be willing to bet not a ton. It shows our distinctiveness as God's people. When we refuse to be arrogant and boast. You say, but I don't get, what does that mean? I don't sense they're boasting. Here's the deal. When we exclude God from our decision making, 
it is a form of boasting. Because what you're saying is, what are you saying? I don't need you, God. I got this. And God, that's like my daughter saying, you know, Dad, I can handle it. Just give me the keys to the car. I can drive us wherever we want to go. I bet you don't know what you're talking about. She can try to sit there and convince me that she can drive my car. You ain't driving nothing, right? I'm not giving you the keys to nothing, right? And that's like, oh, I got, I got this life, God. I don't need you. I don't need you. I can figure this thing out. No, you can't. <laughs> you can't. Because that is actually a form of boasting. It's, it, and it's evil. Because here's the, and here's a passage that's, that we're familiar with. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins, right? That's what the scripture says. If you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, that's sin. You know, and see, here's the deal. But in the context of this letter, what is he getting at? He's getting at, you guys are Christians. You should know better. And you should know that in your life, you need to have a perspective that's eternal. And you need to include God in every aspect of your life. And when you don't do that, that's sinful. Sometimes we think sin is just the stuff that we did that was bad. That's not the only way we sin. A lot of times we sin when we know the good we ought to do, we just don't do it. We know, those of us that are parents, we know we should be spending time with our children in meaningful moments. We know, we know it, right? We, we know it. But how many of us neglect it for other things? Right? Does that describe you? Maybe it does. Maybe it does. It's something that you're not doing, but you know it's the good you ought to do. Right? Pick something in your life. Financially supporting the church. Some of you know you should. I mean, that's just, that's basic. That's just, I mean, yeah. principled giving. I don't give to the, I don't give to the church because somebody forced me to. Yeah, I'm giving to God, right? But some, some of us don't do it, even though we know we should. And it's not a matter, it's just a matter of whatever. But it's, you got to watch out. What is it in your life? What is it? You have to ask, and you have to seek, and you have to know. Because... When we do it God's way, when we seek his will, that's when we can experience an incredible confidence because we're doing things that will help us get to the next life. This life is not the one we should be shooting for. It's the next life, if you know what I'm saying. Now, this was the simple part of the message. The next part, you just better get ready. This is some serious, I mean... Here you go. You ready for this one? Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted. Moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look! The wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. And you have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. And you have condemned and murdered innocent men who are not opposing you. And don't you feel awesome right now? That is scathing. That is serious stuff. Why would James write this? Because here's the deal. When you, when you accumulate wealth, guess what can happen? You start to hoard it. You want more of it. And guess what? You don't want to give it to anybody else. 
That's the way it is. That's just the way the power of wealth, the power that money can take over. And we, we don't realize it, but it's that powerful. The scriptures give the power of money almost like God-like power. I mean, it, it could just take you over. These guys were, they were hoarding wealth and people would do, they would do business for them, mow their lawn. They wouldn't even pay them. Wow. Wouldn't even pay them. A laborer, lowly, Guess what? That laborer, guess what? They needed that money. They needed it. But the wealthy person who's lost his mind, lost his place on the earth, lost the heart of God who expects us to live compassionately and generously in this world. M wealth can mess you up, guys. That's what he's getting at. If, you don't, if you're not careful, you can even get to a point where you're, not even, you're just hoarding. We're supposed to bless others with our wealth, not oppress them. If God gives you material possessions, he expects us to have a heart like him. To be given. Right? To get, get, give it away as best you can, right? In, in, in your own context. But, but at the end of the day, I appreciate the, the reality that James tries to give us. We are not here to live life on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. Is that fair? You don't like that one, Kendall? You, you, you don't feel that way? Oh, is there something else? Oh, yeah, there we go. I did not condone. I didn't know all this was going to happen. So, hey, man, I, I, I didn't know this was a for sure thing. Okay, we, we can't live life like that. That'll be the visual you can take home with you right there. We, can't, we, we cannot live in self-indulgence and luxury. Why? Why? Jesus didn't, right? Do, do you need a better, do you need another reason? Or is that, is that enough? Honestly, that, that we, we have got to remember our Lord. The will that he has for our lives is not to just live in luxury and self-indulgence. We cannot hoard our wealth. We cannot allow what we have been given to take us over and cause us to think only in terms of ourselves. We have got to fight the ways of this world, combat against this world, and realize that God expects us to live compassionately, to live generously, to consistently fight against the mindset that causes us to think that everything that we've been given is just for us and for ourselves. This is the message that James gives us. This is the message that Jesus taught as well. They are very consistent. And in the future weeks, we're going to be looking at Jesus in each of the Gospels. We're going to look at Jesus in, the, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to see how Jesus embodied these same exact characteristics. Because we live in a place that is taking people out, left and right. And it, and it, honestly, it's not just an epidemic of heroin. It's not just an epidemic of domestic abuse. All of those types of things that go on in this world, those are bad. But I'm going to tell you what, we sometimes just turn a blind eye to the epidemic of how greed and wealth is taking people out and shipwrecking your faith. 
And we live in a place where we have got to be able to talk about it freely, openly, and real, in a real way in the house of God. Because James needed to say this to the people of God. If it was good enough for them, it's got to be good enough for us. And we got to keep, we got to be vigilant in not adopting the ways of this world, the way we think about making decisions in our life and how we use our wealth. And let us pray. Father, I pray that we have been able to listen today. I pray that we can take to heart the message that James has provided for us today. Father, thank you for inspiring James to write what he wrote. Thank you that we can come to your house to be given instruction on how to conduct ourselves in a way that brings you honor and glory. Father, help us that as we leave here and as we decide where we're going to go, what we're going to do, how long we want to stay, help us to learn how to ask what your will is for our lives first. Help us to make decisions based on spiritual ramifications, not just what is earthly. Help us in this, God. We need so much help in this area. But thank you that you are gracious and loving and patient with us as we strive to live graciously, generously, and compassionately in our day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.